0: Ephesians 5, starting in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior.
1: All right, guys, we have notes this morning, so if you want to take notes, um, Justin, would you be willing to pass these out? If you guys want notes, if you're note takers, raise your hand, Justin can uh, distribute those if you already have them, great. If you want to take notes, uh, that would be awesome. I appreciate it if you take notes, because I don't like people staring at me very much, so let's just do that. Keep your hand up, and if you have Bibles, uh, go to Ephesians chapter 5, he just read that, verses 22 through 33, we will end chapter 5 today. We've been going verse by verse through the, the, the book of Ephesians and Cody uh, wanted to give me this section of scripture which was really uh, gracious of him actually um, and so I talked to some of you all last week about it. So uh, we have PowerPoint we'll go through and so you'll be able to fill in those blanks. You may be looking at that going are we really going to get through this in the amount of time that we have? Yes. I don't know when we'll leave today, but we will get through it. No, I'm just kidding. So, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. The title of my message is Bearing God's Image in Relationships. Specifically, we're talking about marriage. As we've been going through the book of Ephesians, we have been talking about how we are image bearers. How, by the way that we interact, the way that we live, because we've been created in the image of God, that we are to bear his image. And oftentimes, We can go out and we can evangelize our community, certainly we can do that, but oftentimes the way that we're going to tell other people about Jesus, that we have a relationship with God, is actually, in fact, in and through the relationships that we already have, our human relationships. And so Paul's going to break that down this morning and talk specifically about marriage. And I'm going to be talking about some things that, quite frankly, if I'm going to be honest with you, I try to be authentic, makes me feel a little uncomfortable, to be quite frank with you. And sometimes when we go verse by verse, we're going to come across things that are kind of tough. So I'm going to do my best to unpack the scriptures for you, tell you what it says, tell you what I think it means, and then we can be friends afterwards, right? That's kind of how that goes. So by way of introduction this morning, I want to tell you about a story, something that happened to me in my relationship with my aunt. I'll give you the date, April 15th, 1989. April 15th, 1989. Some of you weren't born, I get it. I was a sophomore in high school and my aunt had been diagnosed with colon cancer and on this particular day she was saying goodbye to her family and I got called in for a 15-minute conversation with my aunt and it was just super humbling and as I went in I had a 13-year-old cousin my cousin John her son who was one of my best friends growing up we're a tight family and she gave me a charge in that conversation and it essentially was this I want you Derek the, the task that I'm giving you to honor me is this, that you would make sure that John marries a, a woman, a young lady that loves Jesus. Would you be willing to do that for me? And I got to tell you something. I know she didn't mean to put a weight on me, but I, I, I listened to her every word, and I gravitated to the things that she was saying, and I took that responsibility super serious. And I'm here to tell you, some years later, and through some relationships later, John ended up finding this incredible godly woman at a Christian college named Sabria. And I remember that conversation, especially on his wedding day. And I remember thanking Jesus for, for getting us to that point. And the reason why I'm opening with that somber illustration is this, and there's some things in your notes, or maybe not your notes, but I want to bring up on the screen, it's this, about the conversation and honoring her request and what she had. Number one, I listened to her because I trusted her, I trusted her, and so her words had impact on me. even though her words were hard to hear, as it would be, it was my last conversation with my aunt. She died 48 hours later. But I, everything I took in, I listened to her because I loved her, and secondly, I obeyed her because I loved her. And that was the way I chose to honor my aunt. Now I want to tell you something about God. God absolutely loves you. Sometimes we may not feel like it. Some of us may not even know it. And sometimes God has some things to say that might be hard, but here's how I think he always comes to us because I want to look at the life of Jesus. Jesus, I believe, he came gently. He came lovingly. He came respectfully. That's how Jesus came. The only time there was a little bit of a confrontation, it was with the Pharisees, the religious righteous people. That's kind of how he had a problem sometimes with some of them. But as we come to the scriptures this morning, and and Justin did a great job reading that, I, I thought to myself, these are some things that we have to kind of talk out. When we talk about bearing out the image of God in and through the relationship of marriage, God has set it up a certain way for us to live in community, specifically when we talk about marriage. So, let's get to the verses this morning. Point number one in your notes is an encouragement. I want to emphasize that. An encouragement to wives. Let's bring up those verses. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, reading those verses, I would love to interview how some of you are feeling right now, but we don't have time for that. But some very interesting verses and I, there's multiple responses, uh, and talking to husbands at times, uh, they get this kind of smirky-smirk smile on their face sometimes about these verses. I was talking to somebody recently, and that was kind of their, their reaction. Um, you get all different kinds of reaction. We want a biblical response. We want to understand the scriptures. I do know this. When Paul wrote these things, he was writing in some conditions that there were different cultures kind of mixing with one another. And I want to just briefly, there's so much I could tell you, I just want to do it in, in just very briefly, but I want to just show you some of the cultures that, that Paul wrote in. And the first one is the Jewish culture. Women were treated as objects and owned by the husband. I'm just trying to succinctly just get it down very quickly here, okay? The next one is this. Greek culture, duty was to remain indoors and be obedient, all right? Next one, Roman culture, no rights at all for women at all. Here's what I know about Jesus. The way that he treated women, he always elevated women culturally for sure. And that was the way that he treated them continually and constantly in every situation. And so when we come to these, uh, this command by God, wives submit, um, this is point A in your notes right there. It's this, the choice to submit is volitional. The choice to to submit is volitional. And the word submit, it's hupotasso in the Greek. It means to be subject or subordinate. And really the term historically has the idea of a subordinate role of one individual to another. Politically, you could say uh, militarily or socially. But this particular word for submit does not mean to obey her husband as a slave or a child. There actually is another Greek word for that and Paul is not using it here. The indication in the text is that this is a command, and yet it is a choice to exercise submission in the relationship. You realize that God commands us to do many things. Love, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Command. Now we have a choice. We can obey it, or we don't necessarily obey it. In the context here, it is an act of her own free will, and as such, She's to do this willingly. Submission to your husband is submission ultimately to Jesus. As Christ is head of the church, the husband has been designated head of the home, you might say. So this is a choice to place yourself under, I'm going to say this very clearly, under an equal so that there is order and biblical functionality in the family. Four things under this point. Number one is this, the wife is, this is, this is in Ephesians 5.18 if you want to check it out. The wife, the husband too, is to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You realize that when we align ourselves with Scripture and we live out the things that God is calling us to do, the way that we do that often is we, we got to be Spirit-filled. The Holy Spirit must fill us to be able to do that. It's impossible to live out in any area without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter five and verse 18. In Ephesians chapter five, 21, he talks about submitting to one another. So there are parts in our relationships where we're to submit to one another. That's in body life too, but also in marriage. Secondly, the choice to submit is never forced. It's never forced. (laughs) I don't know in your uh, conversations, but I have heard husbands say to wives, submit, woman. That makes me cringe. I don't know about you guys, Uh, and there is some like uh, nervous joking there, but uh, never a good situation, right? Uh, So even joking about it sometimes, but nowhere in Scripture does it say that they should be forced, manipulated, mistreated, humiliated, or abused, even if they're unsubmissive. Any husband who would make their wives feel this way are not loving the way that God has called them to, and we'll get to that in a few verses. Here's the third thing you can write down. Her foremost responsibility is to her own husband. That's what it says actually in those verses. Now, I don't know, again, I don't know your social circles necessarily, but I actually have heard some husbands say to other wives that they need to submit to them. That is, to me, that's kind of creepy. So, all that to say, I'm just saying to you, her foremost responsibility is to her own husband. And then lastly, under that point is this. It is done as a faithful service to Jesus, as it says in the verse, as to the Lord. And we're going to learn pretty soon, it's actually an act of worship. It's an act of worship. So just to be clear, there are a couple of kind of uh, applicational points that I want to just have us think about as we go through this. It's this in your notes, you can write this in. This is not an issue of equality but it is an issue of responsibility. As persons, as male and female, we are equal. We have equal value. Now, a lot of people look at different people for different reasons and they devalue them. This is not an issue there. Wives are not less valuable as people. Wives are not less capable as people. Wives are not less intellectual as people. And why are you saying some of these things? Because I've actually heard men say some of these things. And I don't believe that at all. When it comes to personhood, men and women are equal in the sight of God. But when it comes to position or responsibility, you know, this is one thing I know, even in working as teams. And and I I look at marriage as a team. I, I honestly do. But at some point, somebody needs to make the call at times. And I'm not saying that's true of your marriage because if you have good communication, I think there's equal submission there as well. But in any organization, there is leadership and God has designed leadership in the home and at the same time, there is to be submission one to another as well. So it has nothing to do with capability. So let me give you a quick illustration of that. You could have a woman be a CEO of a large company and come home and have a different position and responsibility in the home. Just different. No less value there at all. Um, So that's something I think that we have to understand. Secondly, another point of application is this. This is an issue of dignity as it takes integrity to live this out biblically. This has to do with your character. Here's what I know about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit... It's called sanctification. It's a fancy word for becoming more like Jesus. We, as we go through life as believers in Christ, we're being conformed into the very image of Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit from the inside out. Part of that is all of these things that, that are challenging at times, but this is part of God's plan. And so when it comes to what you might say, living out obediently to the things that God calls us to, it's an issue to me of integrity. It's a, it's, a, it's a character thing. And so um, your participation in marriage and bearing out the image of God, what I mean by this is when we align ourselves with the scriptures, it gives the Holy Spirit the maximum opportunity for God to be seen because God works in those times. And the thing I love about God is God is a relational God. I'm, I don't recommend books often. Of course, I don't speak often. But this book is called Ministry in the Image of God, the Trinitarian Shape of Christian Service. This is all about serving God out of relationship. And what he does, the author does, is he takes the triune God and how they relate and how they serve in total unity and serving each other. And yet, here's the thing there's within the Trinity, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons, all equal. No one, the Father is not greater than Jesus. Jesus isn't greater than the Holy Spirit. So within the persons of the Trinity, how they serve one another out of relationship. And if you've ever read the scriptures, Jesus continually lives his life in what? Submission. I would even say glad submission to the Father's will. And if you know the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's ministry is, is to give all glory to Jesus. So everything he does really is in submission to the work, the completed work of Christ and the ongoing work of Christ as the Holy Spirit continues that on. So there's even what this author uh, says is glad submission in the Trinity. So it can work and it's right there uh, in the scriptures and also uh, within the triune God. Here's letter B in your notes as far as the choice to submit. The choice to submit is positional. According to the verses 23 and 24, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, and that's just what God has ordained by position. Again, nothing to do with value. Now, in those verses, it does say, in everything. And reading those words, I almost feel like it's fighting words, and so just to say, In everything to me means nothing to be ever outside of the will of God. Nothing to be ever outside of the will of God. Obeying God always supersedes anyone else. Let me share with you a story of how this worked, because I believe in the church, God has designated men, the husband of one wife, as it says in Scripture, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, for elders are to be the husband of one wife. So uh, male elders in the church. As we would gather in a church, I was on staff at a church in Colorado, and there were 12 elders at this church. We would gather for hours to pray and make decisions, and any there would be a huge decision. One of the things I loved about our senior pastor is he would always challenge us in the same way. This is what he'd say, something very similar to this. He would say, guys, I need you to do something about this major decision that we have. You guys are married, and I trust your wives. They see things, they hear things, they feel things that we don't oftentimes see, hear, or feel. They know things, whatever it may be. I want you to go home. I want you to tell them, unpack this whole decision that we have before us. Give them all the positives and all the negatives. And then I want you to pray with them and I want you to listen to them. And then when we gather next month, I want to compile what they have to say and we need to strain that through this decision. So here's what's interesting. Oftentimes when we'd make a decision for the congregation as elders, what they didn't know is it was a decision from the elders, right, by the elders. But often it would come on the advice of our wives. I would go to my wife, June, often and say, this is what's going on, what do you know, what do you think, how do you feel, and go through the whole thing. Hopefully take pretty good notes and then go back and report. So I share that to say, again, Equal value, understanding different roles and responsibilities, and yet living and working together in submission with each other to advance the cause of the gospel and love God and love one another. So kind of what it looks like right there. So here's point number two in your notes. It's an encouragement to husbands. And as we read the text, one of the things I found interesting was the text itself in the original was about three times longer for husbands than wives. I don't know what that means, I don't know if there's just more for us to do. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if we have a hard time comprehending this, but that's true. It's three times longer. So Ephesians chapter five, verses 25 through 30. This is what it says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, is unconditional. That word love is a word that is often talked about in church. The word is agape, that form. It's an unconditional love. And Paul is driving home this point emphatically in these verses right here. Our focus isn't uh, on our role as head, but it's on our responsibility to love. That's to be our focus, to love. So husbands are commanded by God to love their wives with this unconditional love in an ongoing matter, even when they might be undeserving or unloving. Not saying that about your wife, but sometimes we have excuses. And so the instruction to the husband is similar to that of the wife in that it is not dependent on the spouse's response. So unconditional love. You guys ever find that hard? Or is it just me? Because it is a spirit-filled issue. We need to be spirit-filled to accomplish these kinds of things. The husband's responsibility is to love his wife um, in an unconditional way. Here's number two. According to latter verse of 25, the choice to love is sacrificial. Sacrificial. Now, as I was studying out this week, I began to evaluate the way that I love my wife, and I got convicted um, because I got challenged. So hopefully we can think about some of these things and the way that we are loving our wives. For those of us that are married, for those of you who are not married, you're like, why am I listening to this right now? Well, we want an indication of what it means to bear out the image of God in relationship and marriage. And I don't know about you, but if you look at marriages today, marriage is being attacked all over the place. Uh, Even in the Christian church, I believe it's nearly 50% divorce. It's just part of our reality. And so there is an attack on marriage. So husbands are to be selfless and consider our wives before ourselves. That's what I think of when I think of sacrificially. Because when you look at what Jesus did for us by going to the cross, and in his humanity, when he was in the garden, he was wrestling with that decision. And he said, Father, you know, he's wrestling can you take this from me? But no, I'm, I'm, not my will be done, but your, your will be done. There is a wrestling there in the garden. And I say that to say this, it's okay, I think, as men, if we're gonna be honest, to wrestle with God about some of these things. Not because we don't want to do these things, but because some of these things that he's called us to are hard. And to be honest with God and to say, God, would you point out to me where possibly I'm not loving my wife unconditionally or sacrificially and to have those kinds of conversations and to use Christ as an example. But Jesus willingly submitted to the Father's will and he laid down his life as an act of love. That's ultimately what it was. So when we talk about unconditional love, sacrificially, that was an act of of, uh, unconditional love. Thirdly, in your notes is this the choice to love is relational. The choice to love is relational. If you have your Bibles, I want to point out to you Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 26 and 27. Speaking of that relational aspect, it reads this That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. One of the things that Jesus did on the cross by giving us his righteousness and in sanctification by he's working with us day by day, sanctifying us and conforming us into the image of his son, he's doing that to glorify himself and really to prepare us as a church to be received in heaven, you might say, and and we are his bride. But in like manner, we... God wants to use us as men, I think in a spiritual way, to also help our wives, and she does the same, I think, but help our wives to be conformed into the image of Christ. So what does that look like relationally? It can look like this very simply. It could mean that you pray for your wife, or you pray with your wife. It could mean that you open up the scriptures together, and you read, and you talk about God or you go to church together, or you serve together in some capacity. You go on a missions trip, but you do something that would challenge them spiritually, but it affects you guys relationally. I want you to understand something. When you put God in the center of your relationship, God will glue you together more. The two become one. That's what it says in the scriptures. But what's beautiful about that is God is very strong in that marriage, and he'll pull you together even closer. What a lot of people don't understand is When you are active in church, active in community, and active in your faith, you might say, with your spouse, and I realize that sometimes that doesn't happen, but if you can get to that point, that really, I think, is a protective measure for your marriage, but also it's an opportunity for you both to become more like Jesus. Let me give you an example of that really quickly. I don't know how you guys pray, but sometimes I pray things like this. God, I want to be more patient. And so God will give me a situation where I don't feel like being patient at all. And you know how that oftentimes happens? It will rear, I don't want to say its ugly head, it will rear its head in my relationship with my wife. And I, I'm just so tempted not to be patient with my wife. And we've had these conversations before. I'm not saying that you have. My wife has said this to me. Why do you sometimes treat me this way, but not other people? You know what I get all the time when I preach, and I because I was church planner. I, we planted a church up in Springville, Utah. We were there for 15 years. She'd say this. You know what's amazing is on Sunday mornings, you're all like hi 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 to everybody, and you're really super nice, and then you come home and you're a jerk. And I'd be like, Well, I'm tired. And she's like, I don't care. This is my house. And I'm like, Okay. But isn't that interesting how we let our guard down for those that we love the most? I want to really challenge you in this. As you grow in your relationship with God, God wants to grow you in your relationships with your closest relationships. But here's what's so awesome about our God He wants to use your closest relationships to conform you into the image of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. And so, believe it or not, your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse is your greatest uh, cheerleader as far as spirituality. And here's the thing I want to also encourage you guys that maybe you don't think about. Even if your spouse doesn't believe in Jesus, do you not think that God's sovereignty and his power is greater where he could still use? Because he does in my life. He uses you guys in my life and as I work in the working world, he uses unbelievers all the time to continue to conform me into the image of his son. I still got to grow in patience, whether it's an unbeliever or a believer. I still got to grow in patience. And God uses everybody to do that. He just most oftentimes uses those that are closest to me, one of which would be my wife. So that's how that works relationally. The, the fourth one, letter D in your notes, is this. The choice to love is not only relational, but it's personal. And Paul goes on to describe um, how... Uh, we look at our bodies, and so let me read this to you because I think it's—I don't know—for me and my weirdness, I think it's kind of funny. Um, he says this: in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, love—he who loves his wife, loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. And it goes on from there. Here's what I want to say about that. When um, I work a ton right now. I used to go to the gym a lot more. But I don't know why, I, I rarely ever see women, maybe they do, I don't know, but I always see guys in front of mirrors. They really love their progress, or maybe lack up. I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on. But they can spend, I've watched some guys, they spend more time in front of the mirror than they do pumping iron sometimes. I don't know what's going on. And I'm not saying every guy is so self-confident that they just love themselves that much. But here's what I do know about all of us in these kinds of opportunities or situations. We will protect ourselves. We will protect ourselves. And so as Christ is head of the church, the spiritual body, so too the husband is the head of the marriage, the familial body. Care for that body the way that you care care for like your family, care for your wife the way that you care for your own body. It's natural to love and protect yourself. And some people, as I say, they don't love themselves, but I don't think that's necessarily natural. As husbands, I believe Paul is challenging us to focus our love on our wives, not self-love, but to focus our love on our wives. That's the way that he has deemed it. Here's the last point in your notes, an example to all believers. An example to all believers. And here are the verses that go along with that. Verses 31 through 33, finishing out chapter 5. It reads this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each uh, one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. As Paul wraps it up, one of the things I, I think he's really driving home is this, the way that we image God, perhaps like n- no other way, is in the relationship of marriage. Very unique, that relationship. And, and so Paul quotes Genesis 2.24 in verse 31 right there. We have become, as men and women, as there is a husband and wife coming together as one flesh. Um, There is love there. There is respect there. And much like Christ loves and cares for his spiritual body, the church, we are to do the same. And so under that, letter A is this. The choice to obey is reverential. The choice to obey is reverential. I want you to understand that what we're talking about today really is an act of worship. For wives to live in submission to their husbands... For, for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, if we come to God and we say, God, we want to do what you want us to do because we love you and we know that you love us and you've set it up a certain way and we know by doing this, it is the best possibility to image who you are. And hopefully that you know, just like my aunt had hard words for me, I believed her because I trusted her and I obeyed her because I loved her. The same is true of Jesus when it comes to these kinds of of subjects and so something to think about secondly is this the choice to obey is practical not only is it reverential not only is it worship but it is practical god is glorified when we live according to his perfect will he's glorified and there are practical ways to do that ephesians 533 if you have your your bibles this is what it says as far as the practicality of it, it reads this. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. A lot of guys, as you all well know, they, they feel loved when they are respected. So the question oftentimes is well, how do I love myself? Well, I know this. I don't know how many of you guys know about the love languages or you believe in the love languages. So With the love language, we receive love a certain way and we give love a certain way. And oftentimes, we give the love that we want to receive. So a great example of that, I want to love my wife. Let me give you a story. For years and years and years, I've been married uh, for almost 27 years. For years, I would come home after a long day of work and I'd think, man, I want to love June today, so this is how I'm going to do it. Because I did it according to how I feel loved. Mine is acts of service. If you wanna love me and you do something nice for me, like some sort of act of service, I feel loved. So I come home after a long day. We had five kids in five years. I don't suggest that, okay? You can talk to my wife about that, that's her problem. All right, no, so five kids in five years, the house would be a mess sometimes. Dishes everywhere, I come home exhausted from work. I got a great idea, I'm gonna clean the whole house, I'll cook dinner for the kids. And my wife will love me so much tonight, and guess what? I'd do all that, she might come home, not a word. Not a word. I'm like, did you notice anything around the house, the meal? What? Not a word. And sometimes she'd say, yeah. And I'd be like, yeah. Anything more? Yeah, I saw. And, oh, you guys, I, sometimes there was a fight. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I, I flushed out, sometimes on her. And one time she said to me, you know what, Derek? Sometimes you take hours to love me in this way. And hers is words of affirmation. I feel loved. She said, you could take two minutes. You could write me a little noty note. Say how much you appreciate and love me and just stick it on the bed or whatever. You don't even have to give me flowers. And, and you know what's so interesting Uh, Dating and marriage, like 29 years, my wife, I think, has kept every note I've ever given her. Every single note. Are you kidding me? But that's how she feels loved. And I'm gonna admit it to you, I still get it wrong. I'm just admitting to you what it is, because it's natural. I feel loved this way, and that's what I, so I have to consider my wife. And there's those moments where God is very gracious to me, and he allows me to think it through, and think of how she wants to feel loved, and it is does feel loved, and I do write those notes every once in a while. I get an A. So everyone's different, and so I would encourage you to converse about these things within your own marriage. As we wrap it up here, just a couple things by way of application I want to leave with you. The first one is under the term, or the, the word sanctification in your notes there. And that's this, for both husband and wife, this is a spirit-filled issue. When I wake up in the morning, I try to, in my prayer time, my devotion time with the Lord is, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit today that other people would enjoy your fruit? The fruit of the spirit, according to the Bible, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You guys ever heard of those things? self-control, that people would enjoy that fruit from my life and that my wife especially would enjoy that fruit as I love her, that she would enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. So love would be one of those, but also those, those other characteristics. And so for both the husband and the wife, that's important. I have this quote. I think it's in there. Would you bring that up? There's no quote there? Here's the quote then. I didn't put it in. It's this. Success in marriage is more than finding the right person. It is being the right person. And so as you, as you go through your day that you would ask God, God, help me to fulfill the responsibility that you've called me to. Would you fill me with your spirit so that I can do that? Secondly, is this word edification. For both husband and wife, the focus needs to be on one's own responsibility. What do I mean by that? Well, um, men or husbands Probably not a good idea to go around the house going, submit, submit, submit. No. You need to focus on your responsibility. She needs to focus on hers. Um, that's just a suggestion. Um, that's what I think God has called us to do. And that will edify us in the marriage. Lastly, for this purpose and its the purpose of evangelism, for both husband and wife, it is an opportunity to feature what the relationship looks like between Christ and the church. Ultimately, that's what marriage is a picture of. And as people see us function in a biblical way, and we, we love each other in this way, by loving God this way, my hope is in this lost world that is struggling so much in marriage that we as a local community of faith people, we would have marriages and just actually relationships that show that Christ is doing something in and through our lives that we don't even have to say anything with our lips. They can look at our lives and literally know, they may not know it's Jesus, but they know there's something different. And I pray, because I actually, sitting in here, I won't point that person out, I have someone that I work with, and her and her significant other, um, I haven't met them all that long ago, but when I met her, I began praying for her, her relationships, and one of my prayers was, she may not know it's Jesus, but I hope and pray that she sees Jesus in me, there's something different about me. The way that I work, the way that I treat people, all of that to point to Jesus. Marriage ultimately is that opportunity as well. And so some things to consider. Next week, Cody will be here. Uh, he will be here, um, but I am speaking next week because Cody said, I wanna hear you speak. And I was like, uh-oh, okay, sounds good. I'm gonna call Cameron up at this time. This is a moment for us to reflect on how the Holy Spirit has been speaking. Maybe you're not married this morning, and you're like, I don't really know what this has to do with anything. This is an opportunity, like I said, just to review our relationships and the way that we are imaging out God, one of them being marriage. Next week, we're gonna talk about parenting. We're gonna talk about working next week as well, other ways that we can image out God. And so as we sing, it's an opportunity to come to the communion table. It's open, how we do it at Christ Community, a lot different than other churches perhaps, The invitation is for you to come to the table and to take the bread, dip it into the juice, the body and the blood of Christ which it represents and to remember what Jesus has done for us. You can do it at any portion in the song service. We're gonna sing three more songs, I believe. At any time, you can just sit in your seat, enjoy the worship, sing along with us um, and then at the end, we'll pray and we'll be dismissed. So Cam, would you lead us?